All right, friends. What a great start. Uh, the everlasting God. And anytime we declare truths about who God is, not only does God's face shine upon us, but it also aligns our heart to all the promises that God has for us. Uh, I, I'm excited, I'm nervous for this journey that we're going to walk on in the next five weeks. It reminds me of trying to walk across a lake when the f- deep freeze hasn't happened yet. You can hear the, the cracking of the ice underneath you. It makes your heart beat a little bit faster. My family has had the privilege of, of growing up in Radium uh, and Invermeer. Uh, we have a place out in Radium. Some of our greatest memories uh, of a fa- as family are attached to being in the mountains. One of the, the big moments in the valley is when the lake is frozen and people can drive from Invermere to Windermere on the lake. Now there's going to be a picture, yep. Every year, somebody decides that they know better. And so they do that and it makes the news. Everybody talks about it. As we journey in this conversation over the next five weeks on prayer, it's going to feel like that. It's going to feel like I'm running across the lake, the ground is kind of crackling, it's barely frozen. Is it okay for me to make it? There was a worship song that was written a few years ago. It went something like this. It's going to kind of be the premise of of where we're headed. God, you are a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. God, you're the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Do you actually believe that God is still a miracle working God? A God who can actually do something in the midst of great pain. You see, a a miracle, a true miracle, is a miraculous event that manifests itself in the supernatural power of who God is. This week I needed to ask myself this question, Matt, have you limited God's power in your life? You see, we believe that God's supernatural power is available to all those people who are in need. Most of us would love to have miracles take place in our lives, but if you're like me, you don't want to be in a place where you need a miracle. You see, I want to experience the miracle-working power of God in others. Nobody, none of us in this room, want to be people who are in need. We don't want to go through a situation where answers are not known and the solution is not evident. But there will come a time, might be really soon, where you will find yourself in a place of need. The question at that point will be this. Where do I turn for help? Or how do I find answers for the questions that I have? How quick do I turn to God? Where is he on that matrix of help? 
This morning, I want to introduce you once again to the ultimate miracle worker named Jesus. They describe Jesus as someone who his life and his work actually represent miracles. Today, we're kicking off our series on Believe for It, a five-week journey on prayer. Matthew 21, verse 22 says this, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Okay, I'm done with the sermon series. That's it. Do you believe? (laughs) Go back to that Matthew 21. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Friends, it's, it's my goal And I'm right there with you to help you come to a place where you can honestly say, I believe. Some of you are like the man whose son was hurting. Jesus said to him in, in Ma, in Mark, sorry, in Mark chapter nine, and I'd love for you just to use your imagination as we read these passages of scripture. Mark chapter nine, verse 23, it says this, anything is possible. If a person believes. And the father instantly replied to Jesus, I do believe, but help me not to doubt. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed a similar prayer. God, I know that you're able to do this, but could you do it for me? Will you answer my prayer? We'll go back to that Matthew 21. If If we really believe that anything is possible if a person believes. What if I have some doubts, Matt? You're normal. We all struggle with periods of doubt. If you've never doubted anything, it may mean that you have never thought seriously about anything. The only way to never doubt is to never use your mind to question and try to figure out something. Doubting does not mean that your faith stops. It means you are actually trying to understand your faith at a deeper level. Doubting actually means your faith is at work. It's working itself out. Friends, that's a great thing. Honest doubt means that we're thinking and seeking to understand. You have doubts. But those doubts are making you want to know more about who God is and experience him in new ways. This morning, I want to focus on a story that's found in John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles or your iPhone, your Amazon, whatever you have, just flip to it. This story is somewhat perplexing. It's a story about a man who is born blind. Jesus and his disciples run into this man one day in Jerusalem. Immediately the disciples say this, Why is this man blind? Was it his fault? Or was it his parents' fault? You see, you and I, even today, are so quick to try to understand the problem that we don't give the opportunity for God to show his mighty power. You see, when we're weak, God is strong. Well, let's read that story from John chapter 9. Use your imagination as you see this. Verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a blind man who is blind from birth. Verse 2. His disciples asked Jesus, 
teacher, rabbi, Jesus, who sinned? Who screwed up? Who messed up? The man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus says in verse 3, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming and no one can work. Then verse 5, when I am in the world, I am the light, hope of the world. What in your life, friends, is stopping the opportunity for the work of God to be displayed in someone else's life? It probably didn't occur to the disciples that this man was blind, but he wasn't deaf. The man, the blind man, could hear their conversations. Imagine you're sitting there blind. Your life is bad enough already. And you hear these deep theologians say, hmm, did he sin? Oh, his parents must have sinned. What would you think? How often, friends, do you feel like people are looking at you and saying, how did you get into this mess? What did you do? Was it his fault or someone else's fault? I love the response of Jesus. Jesus responds by saying that this happened not because of their sin or his parents' sin, but this happened so that God may be glorified. I know that sounds deeply spiritual, but if you're a man who is blind... Let's be honest, that doesn't sound very exciting. It's like the blind man was saying, I'm blind so that God can be glorified. Good for him. I'm glad I could help him out. I'm glad I made my contribution to the glory of God, but I really want to see. Now, I know that sounds a little sacrilegious, but if you were blind for your entire life and you were confused about God, That thought probably ran through your mind. You see, Jesus didn't perform miracles for his own benefit. He didn't heal so that more people would follow him. He did it so that people would be whole again. A person who was blind or who had leprosy, who was on the outside of the city, people didn't know what to do with. With God's economy, his working power is always that we belong, that we fit, that we're whole. The greatest miracle was on the cross so that you and I could fit again. But every time Jesus healed, it was to bring about wholeness in a very broken world. Jesus goes into a teaching moment with his disciples. He says, we're all chasing daylight. We're all chasing after the light. We live in a world and we have to work in the world while it's still daylight. We have to do those things that God has given us to do while we're here in this world. Night is coming when no one will work. Then it suddenly gets really confusing. Jesus pauses and he's going to heal the guy. There's some places in the Bible where we see Jesus heals people by touching them. He touches their leprosy. In some places, he speaks to them and just says, you're healed. Like the four paralyzed the the four guys who brought their paralyzed friend and lowered him through the roof in mark chapter 2 jesus looked at it and said because of your guys's faith you're healed but this time's different 
Jesus does something out of the ordinary. In the next five weeks, friends, are you willing for God to do something out of the ordinary in your life? Too many times we see how God has worked in someone else's life and we say, God, I need your help. I need you to help me like you did for my friend. I believe that God wants to help us. But we have to allow him to work in his own way. God has a plan for your life. That plan will be different for everyone else in this world. Genesis, Jer, sorry, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, and we know this verse, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The question is this, will you allow God to do something out of the box, out of the ordinary in your life? Before you say yes, let's take another look at this blind man's story. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 9, verse 6. Having said this, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with his saliva. Well, here's my deep theological thought. How much spit did it actually take to make mud? That's a lot of spit. I know what you're thinking. When you read today's scripture, you're thinking, well, God's spit's different than my spit. Let's be honest, spit is spit. That spit was from the human side of God. God did not spit outside of time and space. So Jesus spit, he made some mud, then he goes toward the blind man. Can you see the blind man? Can you imagine what the crowd was thinking? They're thinking, stop Jesus. And John chapter 9, verse 6 says this, having said this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud, we already read that. And look what he does, and he put it on the man's eyes. Jesus takes mud and places it on the guy's face. I know that when you read the Bible and I read the Bible, we, t- we try to read it like we were Jesus or were at least the disciples. Can you imagine being the blind guy? You hear people saying to the blind guy, why is this guy in a mess? Is it his fault or his parents? And then Jesus takes some spit and dirt, and makes mud, and puts it on your face. And after Jesus put the mud on his face, he says to the guy in verse 7, go, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. I'm not a great theologian. You've learned that over the months. But I want you to think about this. He is blind. How is he supposed to get to the pool of Siloam? Even if he wasn't blind, he would have mud on his eyes and wouldn't be able to see. And Jesus, the guy who made the mud, doesn't even offer him any help. Do you ever feel that way, friends? Have you ever felt like Jesus has called you to something and then didn't offer you any help? There's moments in my life where I feel like I'm the blind guy and people are talking about me saying, what caused him to get in this mess? 
Is it his fault or is his parents? Why is Matt so messed up? Why is his life like this? Then you hear that it all happened to glorify God. That's not very encouraging. And then you find yourself, friends, in a place where you have mud on your face. Have you ever been there? You're trying to lead. You're trying to be effective. You're trying to rally people together. You're trying to renew your family. You're trying to build confidence. You're trying to call people to an extraordinary life and you just got spit and dirt kicked on your face. And Jesus says to the blind man, go to the pool of Siloam. It seems to me that at least Jesus could have taken him there. Or at least told one of his disciples, hey Peter, just walk with the guy, make sure he gets there. Jesus said, go and doesn't offer any help. Here's the whole point of today's talk. Notice this. John mentions the word siloam, which means sent. What Jesus is doing here is unwrapping a teaching for all of us. We must all go to the place where we are sent by God. We need to go to that place of obedience. Friends, throughout the next five weeks, we're going to discover individually where we need to go. Where is our pool of Siloam? But we're also going to discover corporately where we need to go. We may be blind. We may have mud caked on our faces. We may be stumbling through the streets, uncertain, confused, terrified. But friends, we have to go. There's some things that God does for us, but there are some things that God leaves for us to do. If this blind man wanted to see, he had to go to the pool of Siloam. But Jesus was not going to help him get there. Have you ever been there? I have. Some of you have been called by God to do certain things, but it seems as though you've been left on the road to fend for yourself. Some of you have felt as though you are moving through life with God's spit and mud covering your face and you can't see. It doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to the people around you, but deep inside you have been commanded to go to a place called sent. All of us have mud on our faces. And we're called to that place. It's a place of obedience. It's a place of direction. You see, obedience is the greatest way that you can show God and say that you love him. Some of you right now can identify the moment in your life where you chose to disobey God. Remember Peter? The guy who denied Jesus three times? The guy who said, I will never ever do that. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? I will build my church on you, Peter. You're a rock. For some of you, Jesus is saying the same thing he said to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Obey me. Do what you're called to do. Wipe the mud off your eyes. Some of you have been greatly gifted by God and you have great potential, but you're headed in the wrong direction. 
Some of you are spiritually blind this morning. You're wandering around trying to find direction. Your eyes will not be opened until you're willing to go to that place of obedience. You've lived in disobedience way too long. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Many people try to justify their lifestyles. They rationalize their choices. You must understand that your choices always determine your destiny. Jesus told this blind man to go, go to the pool of Siloam. Now the pool of Siloam was built by King Hezekiah 700 years earlier. It had the purest and the best tasting water in the whole city of Jerusalem. But friends, that's not why Jesus sent him there. He sent him there because he wanted to know, will this man obey my exact instructions? Is he teachable? Is he open to the leading of the Spirit of God in his life? Will he do what I tell him to do, even if it sounds far-fetched? The first step toward having a better life starts with your willingness to obey God in all the little details of life. The man was willing... So he made it there, he washed, and he could see again. Look at John chapter 9, verse 7. Go, Jesus says, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. Isn't that how we deflect God's mighty working power? But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud. He put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. I did it. I obeyed. I'm complete. I'm whole. Many of you are here today and you want God to move in your life. Friends, I believe in miracles. I believe that the God of miracles is here today. The blind man told his neighbor, so I went and I washed and I could see. Are you willing to do what God tells you to do? If you're willing to step out in faith and surrender to his plan, then his work will be accomplished in your life. But the story doesn't end there. There's a very interesting ending to the story. The blind man had never seen Jesus. And since Jesus didn't go to the pool with him, he didn't even know what Jesus looked like. Jesus found him uh, just after the religious leaders, of course, interrogated him for being healed. We see it later in that chapter, in John chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, as he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, who is he, sir? Tell me so I can believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Friends, you and I have seen Jesus. We've seen Jesus' working, miracle working power in our life. You have seen miracles. 
You have seen him work where there is no way. A few weeks ago, we declared this song at the start of one of our sermons, just talking about the direction that we're headed. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains, this bondage will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard that the tide will never change. But they haven't seen you like we have. There is power in your name, so much power in your name. Move the unmovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. We believe for it. From the impossible, we're going to see a miracle. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Friends, I want to join you on this journey. I want to hear your believe for it moment and pray for it. What do you need to believe for in the next few weeks? What I'd love for you to do is we have a great email address here at the church, prayer at daybreakairdry.com. I want you to send me a note through that, just saying, Matt, this is what I believe for. It might be, I need reconciliation with my family. It might mean I need a new job. It might mean God is calling me to this. There's power when we gather as a community. Some of those dreams, some of those hopes that God has been stirring in our heart, we need to actually give to God and trust that he can do it. Let me pray. I'm excited. I'm nervous for this journey. But I know the God that you and I serve actually is the God of miracles in 2022, just like he was the God of miracles back then. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. God, we're nervous of this journey. Because there's a peace inside of our heart that goes... God is not interested in this little belief for it thing that I have. God, help us believe. Just like that father that you looked at and said, I'll heal your son. And, you, and that father said, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. May that be true of us today. May you continue to speak in the next few minutes. May you speak boldly to us. We give you permission to speak to us. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.